Section 18 On Anything This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. On Anything by Hilaire Belloc Section 18 On the Method of History an apprehension of the past demands two kinds of information first the mind must grasp the inner nature of historic change and therefore must be made acquainted with the conditions of human thought in each successive period as also with the general scheme of its revolution secondly the external actions of men the sequences in dates and hours and such actions and their material conditions and environment must be strictly and accurately acquired neither of these two foundations upon which both repose the teaching and learning of history is more important than the other each is essential but a neglect of due emphasis which one or the other demands though both be present warps the judgment of the scholar and forbids him to apply this science to its end which is the establishment of truth history may be called the test of true philosophy or it may be called in a very modern and not very dignified metaphor the object lesson of political science or it may be called the great story whose interest is upon another plane from all other stories because its irony its tragedy and its moral are real were acted by real men and were the manifestation of god whatever brief and epigrammatic summary we make to explain the value of history to men that formula still remains an imperative formula for them all and i repeat it the end of history is the establishment of truth a man may be ever so accurately informed as to the dates the hours the weather the gestures the types of speech the very words the soil the color that between them all would seem to build up a particular event but if he be not seized of the mind which lay behind all that was human in the business then no synthesis of his detailed knowledge is possible he cannot give to the various actions which he knows their due order or proportion he knows not what to omit nor what to enlarge upon among so many or rather a number of potentially infinite of facts and his picture will not be as some would put it distorted it will be false he will not be able to use history for its end which is the establishment of truth all that he establishes by his action and all that he confirms and makes stronger is untruth and so far as truth is concerned it would be far better that a man should be possessed of no history than that he should be possessed of history ill-stated as to its prime factor which is human motive a living man has to aid his judgment and to guide him in the establishment of truth contemporary experience other men are his daily companions the consequence and the living principles of their acts and of his own are fully within his grasp if he is rightly informed of all the past motive and determining mind from which the present has sprung that information of his will illumine and expand and confirm his use of present experience if he know nothing of the past his personal observation and the testimony of his own senses are so far as they go an unshakable foundation 
but if he brings to the aid of contemporary experience an appreciation of the past which is false because it gives to the past a mind which was not its own then he will not only be wrong upon that past he will tend to be wrong also in his conclusions upon the present he will forever read into the plain facts before him origins and predetermining forces which do not explain them and which are not connected with them in the way he imagines he will come to regard his own society which as a man wholly uninstructed he might fairly though insufficiently have grasped through a veil of illusion and a false philosophy until at last he will not even be able to see the things before his eyes in a word it is better to have no history at all than to have history which misconceives what were the general directions and the large sweeps of thought in the immediate and the remoter past this being evidently the case one is tempted to say that a just estimate of the revolution and the progress of human motive in the past is everything to history and that an accurate scholarship in the details of the chronicle in dates especially is of wholly inferior importance such a statement would be quite false scholarship in history that is an acquaintance with the largest possible number of facts and an accurate retention of them in the memory is as essential to this study as is that other background or motive which has just been examined the thing is self-evident if we put an extreme case for if a man were wholly ignorant of the facts of history and of their sequence he could not possibly know what might lie behind the actions of the past for we only obtain communion with that which is within and that which is foundation in human action by an observation of its external effect a man's history for instance is sound and on the right lines if though he have but a vague and general sentiment of the old pagan civilization of the mediterranean that sentiment corresponds to the very large outline and is in sympathy with the main spirit of the affair but he cannot possess so much as a sketch of the truth if he has not heard the names of certain of the great actors if he is wholly unacquainted with the conception of a city-state and if the names of rome of athens of antioch of alexander and of jerusalem have never been mentioned to him nor will a knowledge of facts be valuable contrarywise it will be detrimental and of negative value to his judgment if accuracy in his knowledge be lacking if he were invariably inaccurate thinking that red which was blue inverting the order of any two events and putting without fail in the summer what happened in winter or in the germanies what took place in gaul his facts would never correspond with the human motive of them and his errors upon externals would at once close his avenues of access toward internal motive and suggest other and non-existent motive in its place it is of course a pedantic and negligible error to imagine that the knowledge of a time grows out of a mere accumulation of observation external things do not produce ideas they only reveal them and to imagine that mere scholarship is sufficient to history is to put oneself on a level with those who in the sphere of politics for instance ignore the necessity of political theory and talk muddily of working of institutions as though it were possible to judge whether an institution were working ill or not when one had no ideal of what the institution might be designed to attain but though scholarship is not the source of judgment in history 
it is the invariable and the necessary accompaniment of it facts which to repeat do not produce ideas but only reveal or suggest them do none the less reveal and suggest them and form the only instrument of such suggestion and revelation scholarship accurate and widespread has this further function that it is necessary to a general apprehension of the past which however just is the firmer the larger and the more intense as the range of knowledge and its fixity increase and scholarship has one more function which is that it corrects and it corrects with more and more precision in proportion as it is more and more detailed the tendency of the mind to extend a general and perhaps justly apprehended idea into the region of unreality for the mind is creative it will still make and spin and if you do not feed it with material it will spin dreams out of emptiness thus a man will have a just appreciation of the thirteenth century in england he will perhaps admire or will perhaps be repelled by its whole spirit according to his temperament or his acquired philosophy but in either case though his general impression was once just he will if he considers it apart from reading tend to add to it excrescences of judgment which as the process continues will at last destroy the true image scholarship like a constant auditor comes in regularly to check and tally his conclusions does he admire the thirteenth century then he will tend to make it more national than it was because our time is national and to forget its cruelties because the good enthusiasms of our own age happen for the moment not to be accompanied by cruelty he will tend to lend the thirteenth century a science it did not possess because physical science is in our own time an accompaniment of greatness but if he reads and reads continually these vagaries will not oppress or warp his vision more and more body will be added to that spirit which he does justly but only vaguely know and he will at last have with the english thirteenth century something of that acquaintance which one has with a human face and voice these also are external things and these also are the product of a soul indeed though metaphors are dangerous in such a matter a metaphor may with reservation be used to describe the effect of the chronicle of research and of accurate scholarship in the science of history a man ill provided with such material is like one who sees a friend at a distance a man well provided with it is like a man who sees a friend close at hand both are certain of the identity of the person seen and both are well founded in that certitude but there are errors possible to the first which are not possible to the second and close and intimate acquaintance lends to every part of judgment a surety which distant and general acquaintance wholly lacks the one can say something true and say it briefly there is no more to say the other can fill in and fill in the picture until though perhaps never complete is is asymptotic to completion to increase one's knowledge by research to train one's self to an accurate memory of it does not mean that one's view of the past is continually changing only a fool can think for instance that some document somewhere will be discovered to show that the mass of the people of london had for james the second an ardent veneration or that the national defence organized by the committee of public safety during the french revolution was due to the unpopular tyranny of a secret society but research in either of these cases and a minute and increasing acquaintance with detail does show one a london largely apathetic in the first case 
and does show one large sections of rebellious feeling in the armies of the terror it permits one to appreciate what energy and what initiative were needed for this overthrow of the stuarts and to see from how small a body of wealthy and determined men that policy proceeded it permits one to understand how the battles of ninety three could never have been fought upon the basis of popular enthusiasm alone it permits one to assert without exaggeration that the autocratic power of the committee of public safety and the secrecy of its action were necessary conditions of the national defence during the french revolution one might conclude by saying what might seem too good to be true that minute and accurate information upon details the characteristic of our time in the science of history must of its own nature so corroborate the just and general judgments of the past that when the modern phase of wilful distortion is over mere blind scholarship will restore tradition the end of section eighteen